0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Tara Stingley, a partner with Klein Williams in Omaha, Nebraska. On the program, we span the globe with updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we're excited to add to our new series on labor law to discuss worker retention in Chile. Joining us on the program is Carla Karzulovic, associate at Cary Law Firm. Carla, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Hi, Tara. Thank you very much for this opportunity to talk about a topic that is every day becoming more important in companies how to incentivize and retain key employees and executives, since they are the
0: one most important asset in many of companies. Absolutely. We're so excited to talk with you about this topic, Carla. And this is certainly an issue that is. Front of mind for a lot of employers right now. And so we're here to talk about the ways that employers can incentivize and retain their key workers in an increasingly competitive market, particularly where there is a constant need for employers to keep their employees motivated in the workplace. In light of these challenges, a lot of companies are resorting to not only the typical performance cash bonuses that are more standard and customary, but are also increasingly implementing long term incentive plans. And so, Carla, perhaps you could start by telling us about incentive plans in general. Of course.
1: Incentive plans are a mechanism to compensate employees in addition to what is mandated by law with the purpose of motivating them to reach a better performance. Also, depending on the type of incentive, in many cases, the main objective is to retain specific employees for a certain period of time, whether short, medium, or long. In general terms, this benefit seeks to reward, on the one hand, performance results, which may be of the entry individually and or the company as a whole, and on the other hand, to reward the employees' permanence in the company. These criteria, permanence and performance, may be applied as sole elements or as copulative conditions for the vesting of the incentives. It is under this scenario that stock incentive plans
0: are gaining more importance as incentive schemes. And perfect, could you explain to us what we mean when we refer to generally stock incentives? Of course, a stock
1: incentive is a bonus that instead of being paid in cash, the employees granted shares or a benefit associated to shares. The shares involved can be either those of the employee itself or of a related company, which is usually located abroad. There are several types of share incentives being the most common stock options. Through this scheme, the employer grants the employee the possibility of acquiring shares, usually at a lower price. Other types of stock incentive are restricted stock units, known as RSUs, which are shares subject to restrictions, such as us remaining in the company for a certain period of time or non-compete obligations. In some cases, companies simply grant the shares to their employees at a nil cost, as would be the payment of any bonus. Finally, we may highlight the phantom shares, which are an incentive paid in cash, but calculated according to the value of the company's shares in the market. This way, the value of the company is still reflected for the direct benefit of the employees.
0: And with a variety of options available to employers to recruit and retain employees, why would an employer or company opt for this type of stock incentive benefit as opposed to a cash bonus?
1: On the one hand, by granting incentives associated with the value of a company's shares, whether stock options, RSUs, or phantom, the interests of the employees are aligned with those of the stakeholders of the company, since everyone benefits from the growth of the company and the increase in the value of its shares. On the other hand, the real value of this incentive is determined over time, and not immediately encouraging employees to remain in the company for a longer time in order to see the results of their work reflected in the value of their shares.
0: In your opinion, are these incentive plans fairly common?
1: A few years ago, these plans were quite common only in multinational companies in which the shares involved were those of the parent company abroad. However, every day, it is more common to see this type of incentives in local companies, in which even the shares of the Thielen company are being offered to employees of a related company abroad. Likewise, this type of incentive is very useful for new companies and startups that do not have cash flow to pay bonuses to their employees. Through this scheme, they can incentivize their employees to be really interested in the growth of the company, seeing how this growth is directly reflected in
0: their own benefit. And Carla, with you and I both practicing in employment law, we certainly look at these issues from a legal perspective. If a company opts for a stock incentive, what legal considerations are important to keep in mind? Yes, of course.
1: These plans do have legal special considerations that do not apply to an incentive granted directly in cash. In this sense, when implemented a plan of this type, a company must consider first that even if the share is held by a related company abroad, it is an employment benefit under the local employment contract. Consequently, it will be higher remuneration subject to taxes on Social Security contributions. Likewise, it must be included in an addendum to an employment contract and its payment must be reflected in the payroll slips. From a tax point, depending on the benefit, there may be a special tax treatment to be applicable. From a regulatory perspective, it is very important to verify the requirements applicable to the offering of securities, so that this incentive does not qualify as a public offering of securities under Chilean law, or at least allow it to be subject to more favorable regulations, since it is an incentive aimed exclusively for employees of the company or its related entities around the world. In terms of personal data, it is important to have the employees' authorization for the processing of their data in connection with the incentive plan. Finally, it is also worth bearing in mind the existence of exchange market limitations, which require reporting to the Central Bank of Chile, certain investments and payments abroad. Although it may sound like a lot to take into consideration, in practice, it is not difficult to comply with all of this and every day more companies are implementing these
0: incentive schemes. And it seems that we are living in a world increasingly without borders (laughs) or perhaps more relaxed borders with a more mobile workface. And with these types of stock incentive plans, they are often of global application. With that in mind, what should employers keep in mind to make stock incentives particularly applicable in Chile?
1: As you mentioned, it is very important to review the content of the plan that regulate incentives in order to verify that they comply with Chilean law. It is very common that these type of plans that are regulated at a global level contain rules which are not enforceable under Chilean law. For example, malus or forfeiture clauses are difficult to enforce here in Chile, especially upon termination of employment. In the same line, it is always necessary to adjust the rules in case of termination of employment to the grounds of termination expressly set forth in the Italian Labour Code, particularly with respect to termination for costs, which in most cases is not in line with the circumstances regulated in a plan as cause. Another example is that these plans are rarely in Spanish, being always necessary to recommend their translation in order to assure the participants fully understand its terms and conditions. At the end, it is necessary to review the global plan under the scope of the Chilean law for having an effective and easy implementation
0: here in Chile. Carla, are there any other particular requirements that are unique under Chilean law with regard to stock incentive plans?
1: In general, what we do to having uh, implementing these uh, global plans is to keep the global plan as an umbrella regulation and prepare a sub plan or annex with the special regulations and considerations for Chile. This way, it is thought that the adjustments of the regulations for
0: Tile is not disruptive with respect to the global plan. And that makes a lot of sense. And so I'm sure as part and parcel of that, documentation and moralizing the parties' agreement is inherently important in structuring an appropriate stock incentive plan. And to that end, are there other documents or issues that need to be considered in implementing this type of plan?
1: Yes. Even though there is always the global plan, we still recommend that a formal addendum to the employment contract is signed, stating the employee's participation in the plan, and expressly accepting its terms and conditions. So, at the end, the documents that are generally involved in a plan of this nature are the global plan, the annex, or sub-plan for Tile, and the addendum to the employee's employment contract. This is in addition to the documentation that may be required for
0: the transfer of the ownership of the shares to the employee's name, it's applicable. And Carla, we spent a lot of time today talking about the benefits of stock incentive plans and things for employers to keep in mind. From your perspective, as we close out our discussion today, are there any downsides or disadvantages to employers using these types of plans? I really
1: don't think so because at the end of the day, I think that when you see the future of the company, it is very important to align the interest of all the stakeholders in the company, including the employees. So these plans, as they may sound that they have a lot of legal considerations, they're not difficult to implement. So when opting between a cash bonus or one incentive stock scheme, I would say that companies should take
0: the chance with these long-term incentive schemes in shares. Excellent. Well, Carla, this has really been a fascinating discussion, certainly a lot of moving parts for employers to keep in mind in this context, but we thank you so much for your time and for walking us through these issues. Thank you, Tara. It was a pleasure being able to share these brief considerations regarding
1: retention schemes in Chile, which I really hope you may find useful and start
0: implementing more of these schemes in the future. It was a pleasure to talk with you as well. Thanks for your time, Carla. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you'd like to connect with Carla, please click on her bio in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. In addition, search the ELA website where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Tara Stingley. Thanks so much for listening.